John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Hey, you guys noticed Hostile Ken Flo came out last night on Twitter? <laughs> Hostile Ken Flo. Uh, he was out. Yeah, he was out. He was out. Um, some good fights, though, man. Uh, it was it was fun to watch. But uh, again, just, you know, we, we talk about this. Anytime you see some horrendous decisions, you're you're just kind of shaking your head going, how the hell do these judges get into this sport? How how are they allowed to judge this sport? When they're making decisions like that, it's, I feel bad for the fighters, to be honest. It, it's just very frustrating. I opened last week's show suggesting that this podcast does itself. And it really is amazing. Here we are a week later with so much to talk about. You know, you saw the fight card get whittled down to, I think, nine fights by the time it went off. And yet there are a million things for us to discuss. So uh, we're glad you're with us for it. Quick turn, <clears throat> excuse me, for us on a Sunday. It's November 15th. 2020 episode 276 of the Anakin Florian podcast. So we begin headlines with the main event. It was to be Dosan Jose and Islam Mahashev. Instead, Paul Felder steps in with much fanfare, uh, a tremendous week career wise for Paul Felder. But but Rafael Dosan Jose gets his 19th UFC win. Ken Flo, I thought he was dominant 50 to 45 times two dissenting judge whom we will get into 48, 47 for Paul Felder, but yeah. looked pretty unanimous uh, for RDA to me. Yeah, it was. I mean, listen, um, you know, very tough for anybody. Uh, I don't care who you are. Uh, if you were uh, a world champion in that division to get, to get in there at, on five days notice would be very difficult. Uh, but I, I thought that uh, in a lot of ways, it kind of helped Paul Felder. Uh, he kind of had nothing to lose. He let it rip. I thought it was the best he's looked. Uh, to be honest, to start a fight, especially, yeah. uh, I thought he was looking sharp. Uh, and the fact that he was able to go 25 hard minutes against someone like RDA was extremely impressive. But RDA, just too many skills, uh, too much pressure um, that I think uh, allowed him to be successful both on the feet and on the ground. Yeah, I don't think Dos Anjos gets enough credit for the success he had on the feet in this fight. I thought he moved his head well defensively. If you're really trying to hone in on the strikes, I do think he made Paul Felder miss quite a bit. And it's not that easy for me to sit here and, and say that about my friend necessarily. I think you can argue 50 to 45. I had round four Ken Flo for Paul Felder. I thought he did enough offensively. I believe that was the round. Uh, in which he had the takedown as well, even though the totality of that round was an effective striking round, at least as far as the scoring goes. Um, but you're right. RDA's ability to mix it up suggests to me um, that he would probably win the majority of this series, even if Paul Felder had what would amount to a full training camp. I mean, what do you think would have been the big difference, if anything, uh, had Paul Felder had an optimal training camp and had Dozanjos had eight weeks to prepare for Felder and not Islam Akasha? Right. Uh, well, I, I would say that Paul did a good job of getting back to his feet. I, I think it's there. I think he would have been able to be more effective in doing that, um, I, especially a little bit later in the fight. Um, you know, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I think it's it's cool that uh, Paul was able to be that effective, uh, having not been in an MMA gym for four months. That's right. pretty insane. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, 
I, you know, I just got back to training a little bit. I took about six weeks off and I felt like my grappling was completely off. You know, the timing, everything that's six weeks. Okay. Right. And I'm not a professional fighter right. uh, anymore. So I, I think it, it, it certainly makes a difference when it comes to your grappling. If you're not on the mat all the time and training sharply, uh, it's going to be hard to be, um, you know, that quick with your decision-making sharp with your movements, all those things. I think that's where Felder could have been way more effective as far as getting back to his feet, staying there. Um, but I thought that footwork wise also, you know, when you're not able to strategize and plan and give your body the ability to get those repetitions in and keep that fight in the center of the ring a little bit more, I thought that would have aided him. He was backing straight up against the fence, which I think hurt him. And of course, uh, that's what RDA is known for, that pressure of getting you up towards the fence. But yeah. um, all things considered, it was still an amazing performance from Felder. He is one of the toughest dudes in the UFC. Uh, he was effective, uh, but just way, way too much from, from RDA. So many superlatives for, for Paul Felder and the way he attacked that weight cut. I look forward to hearing more from him uh, intimately about just how bad that Thursday night was. Uh, Duke Rufus perpetually was calling for, for more volume out of Paul Felder, which I think he got at times, but it was more pockets of volume than maybe what he was looking for. Uh, as far as 25 feet versus 30 feet in the octagon, I just had a quick note on that. I mean, it does make it easier for the grappler, and in this sense, Rafael Dos Anjos, to get to the fence. Um, Paul didn't accept that position, and you're right, the get-ups were pretty good, uh, and he did stuff a handful of takedowns, but correct me if I'm wrong, uh, 25 feet versus 30 feet, it's a different, it's a different fight, is it not? I think so. I mean, I strongly believe so. I think it does aid uh, the grappler, uh, the aggressive takedown artist, for sure. Um, it gives uh, the striker less room in which to move, right? So absolutely, it was an advantage there for RDA. So this faster, leaner version of Paul Felder, it'll be interesting to see him now go into a training camp potentially while also maybe simultaneously training for a triathlon because I, I wouldn't put it past him to sort of chase both endeavors if I'm being honest. I think these 25 minutes, Ken Flo, were so enlightening and eye-opening for Paul Felder as a professional athlete because I think he understands, A, with respect to Duke Rufus and Milwaukee, Wisconsin as a city, that he doesn't necessarily need to go away from his daughter for eight weeks in complete isolation, um, you know, to have a decent performance against an elite world-class former champion. I'm not saying that this was ideal in terms of the preparation, but I do think can flow that this will effectively change the way Paul attacks a training camp, whether cardiovascularly or if he's going to do maybe three or four weeks out there with Duke. I just think that for him, he, he so wanted to distance himself from retirement because of how much of a learning experience I think these 25 minutes were for him. I would also uh, argue that, um, and, and Bisping alluded to it, I think that there's a big difference in how you feel mentally, physically, and spiritually after a hard camp of eight weeks than as opposed to one week. Right. You know what right. I mean? It's like, right. yeah, you're going to be sharper. You're going to feel like, you know, uh, maybe uh, you're, you're a little bit more dialed in uh, tactics wise, strategy wise. Right. But of how fresh your body feels, right. uh, you know, it's just a whole different deal. So I think in a lot of ways, that's an advantage for Paul. So uh, and also, again, there, you know, the 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 dead man uh, cultivating the mind of a dead man is something that the samurai would do where you have uh, you don't you're not thinking about losing. You're not thinking about getting hurt. You're not thinking about anything than going out there and just letting it rip. And I think that's why we saw Paul Felder that yeah. was faster. 
I think Paul has a tendency, like a lot of fighters, to get a little bit tense and a little bit too intense. And how can I be super fast if I am tense? We get it. We get it twisted. Like get into that intense mind, bro. That's someone who doesn't know how to fight, who hasn't competed at a high level in athletics. You want to be loose and relaxed. That's what allows me to have that those whipping like motions. And I think we saw Paul Felder that was relaxed, was ready to rip. He had nothing to lose. Uh, and I think that's why we saw a, a great performance from, from, to be honest. So I think he learned a lot about that. Yeah, no, you're right. Salient point. There's so many different factors in this climate. COVID-19, no crowd. I say there's no doubt it certainly benefits certain fighters to not have to deal with the emotions that are brought on by that crowd. And I certainly think Paul is conditioned to this apex environment, Ken Flo. Yeah. He's called dozens of fights in the apex. He's called fights in Fight Island. So I think he has an acute awareness for what that walk was going to feel like. But I just couldn't have much more respect for Rafael Dos Anjos than I do, Ken Flo, because this was a decidedly different challenge on paper. And you knew you were going to get um, a, a carefree Paul Felder in a lot of respects without a whole lot to lose. You knew you were getting a conditioned guy, you know, who's every bit five foot 11 inches tall with a lot of power and elbows that can make a cut open up and change the complexion of a fight. I just, I think for Dos Anjos to go 25 hard and look like he could go 35 hard to me uh, is most impressive here on a Sunday morning. John, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's the biggest challenge of all is, and, and for Paul Felder, obviously is the most difficult thing is getting your game plan dialed in for your opponent that you're going to face. Every mixed martial arts fighter uh, possesses and brings different challenges and different skills to the table. We need to dial ourselves in and be ready for what that is going to be like. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos was getting ready for uh, a tremendous wrestler in Mahashev, right? So I think it was a completely different fight. He was ready and dialed in for uh, a completely different dynamic than Paul Felder. Um, so I, I think a lot of credit is is uh, should be thrown uh, RDA's way, uh, RDA's way as well uh, into his team. He had to make some serious adjustments. Paul Felder is not an easy out for anybody and getting those names and getting those styles switched around on five days notice is very difficult for him as well. So in terms of always being ready, Tim Kennedy suggests that I should be able to pick up two of my three children and like run two miles at a moment's notice, right? Mm -hmm. I can sit here, Ken Flo, and tell you that I probably can't do that. You know, I've thought about it when I have had two of my three kids in my arms and I make it like a hundred yards thinking, <laughs> can you go a mile here to save your children's lives, John? Probably not. Probably you couldn't. So yeah. did you overtrain for BJ Penn? If you had to fight BJ Penn on two weeks notice, or if you had to fight for your daughter next weekend, like I'm probably betting on Ken Flo, right? Even <laughs> whatever your cardiovascular system is right now, you right. get what I'm sort of getting at, right? That sure. I do think sometimes the short notice situations can benefit a fighter. You don't spend eight weeks perseverating over RDA's takedowns. You think about them for like 48 hours and then you go it, fight. Definitely. A absolutely. I, I think it's, uh, you know, again, preparing for the enemy uh, is what you want to be, what you want to be feeling. You want to feel prepared. You want to be ready. Uh, having to go through those emotions and, you know, walking yourself through that fight on five days notice is not going to give you that mental sharpness. And I think that's a, a, a tough thing. And if I'm the new guy coming in on five days notice and I'm getting ready for, you know, a, a guy, a, 
I have nothing to lose. This guy's been getting ready and dialing right. in his body for a completely different dude. So I think there, that was a big disadvantage for RDA. And the fact that he took that fight should be credited as well. Uh, I saw your tweet. I, I think that was, um, you know, uh, very intelligent uh, for you to uh, make make that known. I, I think that people need to understand that it's as difficult for RDA in a lot of ways as it is for Paul Felder. Right. Absolutely. And I also think there were unknowns when it came to the triathlon training. It's like, man, you know, RDA knows he has good cardio, but how long am I going to have to outlast this guy? And it turned right. out he had to do it for 25 minutes. Yep. There's so many different angles to this fight and the future for both of these guys now after this uh, result this weekend. Uh, in terms of Rafael Dos Anjos, you know, I think he's a UFC Hall of Famer. We're not going to have that discussion today, Cam Flo, but it's 19 UFC wins. He has fought eight guys who have a UFC belt at home, right, interim or otherwise, which I think is just very impressive. So big picture, Conor McGregor's not opposed to this matchup right now. And certainly when this fight was to have happened five years or so ago, it was all the rage with fans because RDA looked like an absolute monster at 155 pounds. And he looked pretty much like a monster on Saturday night. Um, what do you think about Dos Anjos now all of a sudden after an eight fight run at welterweight, having lost four of his last five back at 55, new lease on life and, and very much relevant divisionally after a big win over Paul Phil. Uh, this was an awesome performance for him. Um, I thought that he was firing in all cylinders. Um, I thought his striking looked fantastic as well. He was utilizing uh, the weapons of the southpaw, utilizing that left hand, slipping his head off uh, the center line to his right, landing that left hand repeatedly, going to the body with that oh. left power kick, going upstairs with that left kick. I mean, uh, he 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 was he was really sharp, uh, last night. Uh, and then, you know, his, his grappling ability, his ability to get you pinned up against the fence, uh, land those takedowns, uh, to out position Paul Felder, like he did shows that he's going to be a handful for anyone at 155 pounds and coming down from 170 pounds and dealing with guys like the Kamar Usman's and the Colby Covington's and Robbie right. Lawler and all those right. guys right. going down to 55. You're like, Woo, sweet. Right. I don't have to deal with these, right. you know, savages anymore and they, uh, going up a weight class. Not that he was small necessarily, but, you know, I think 55 is really where he belongs. And yeah. the fact that Habib, you know, may not be there anymore, I think gives him a new lease on life and, and allows him to go out there uh, and have an advantage over a lot of people after he's learned a lot fighting in the welterweight division. Lightweight is just so good as it has always been. And there's a big fight that awaits Paul Felder, who's clearly a five round fighter. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see Paul Felder back in a in a main event setting for the third consecutive time. You see, oftentimes when guys get that main event slot, they get headlining opportunities repeatedly thereafter. Anthony mm -hmm. Smith all of a sudden had successive fights in which he headlined as well. Uh, two other points I want to get to on Felder Dos Anjos, and I hope I'm not boring you, Ken Flo, and certainly uh, I hope I'm not boring the viewers. Um, 50 to 45 times two, and then 48, 47. I know Chris Lee, the judge who had this fight, 48, 47 for Paul, for, for Paul Felder. I think he's a pretty good judge, all things considered, at least uh, historically speaking. I'm sure there's some uh, scoring experts that would correct me on that, perhaps. But I just find this scorecard in this situation, uh, scoring this fight for Paul Felder, 48, 47, to be indefensible. And I watched this fight with my wife over 25 minutes and uh, my daughter, Riley, and not really hard for them to ascertain who won the contest. I mean, what do you have for me on the fact that this was a split decision? Ken? <laughs> I don't even know where to start, man. I, I, I don't know a world where you can score that a 48, 47. I, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, how, 
where can, where is the 4847? I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I thought what Felder did was great. It was amazing what he was able to accomplish. I thought he looked sharp on the feet, but I still think that RDA was getting the better of him in the majority of the rounds on the feet, and he was getting the takedowns, and right, he was outpositioning right, him on the ground. Right. Right. What the hell is going on? What <laughs> what is going on when a guy is getting you know taken down and you know getting his guard passed or you know getting controlled on the ground? It just shows that judges in general don't know what the fuck is going on on the ground. They just don't. It's like, yeah. dude, do you understand how difficult it is to land a takedown? Do you understand how difficult it is to uh, go into side control? Do you understand how difficult it is to mount? Do you understand how difficult it is to then take the back? Do you understand how difficult it is to then get to the position to actually get to a rear naked choke position? Right. I, I mean, it, those are things that show a dominance grappling-wise that people just don't get. Again, when you're close to a submission, that means you almost finished the fight. You've almost determined who won right there and right, then. Right, and right. the fact that that's not counting right. uh, in a judge's mind is just... I mean, imagine if we had open scoring and RDA looks up at the monitor and sees that he's <laughs> no. down 3-1 on a scorecard it's going insane. into the fifth round. Be like, what in the actual fuck? You know, <laughs> and heaven forbid it was two of three and all of a sudden he's got to go like get a finish in round five. Right. Absolutely crazy. And I say it with all due respect to, uh, to Paul Felder. Now, you put something out on Twitter after the Corey McKetta K Hansen fight earlier on yeah. the main card, I believe, uh, to quote Kenny Florian, the main issue in judging continues to be a complete disregard or lack of understanding of the ground game. Being close to submitting someone or out positioning someone essentially means nothing in MMA now. And, you know, I know a lot of judges and referee types, you know, want the commentators to, you know, dive all in when it comes to learning the scoring and every little layer of it. And believe you me, to a man, to a woman, we are trying to do that. But how about, holding these judges accountable for acknowledging the ground game. Right. I mean, right. what, what, what are you seeing there? And you know, it's like, I mean, so, so round four to me was close, you know, rounds two and three, if memory serves, were not particularly close rounds. And again, my wife hasn't watched an MMA fight. She wanted to watch Paul. Okay. She hasn't watched yeah. a fight in six months. Okay. You know, she's got a four, one. Okay. You know, <laughs> four, one. Right. I know that's it. Like, Again, we're talking basics, man. Like, yeah, that's the way. Like, uh, if 4-1, I had it 5-0, and listen, there was yeah. a round. I agree that the third and fourth might have been a little closer, right. you know, one of those. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, again, it's just – it's mind-boggling. It's going to get you to at least scratch your head and going, what the hell are we watching? This is a professional event. Why aren't we having professional judges? I, I, I do not get it. I, you know, and I did have a problem with the McKenna – uh, Hanson fight. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't get right. that result either, right. but, uh, you know, I, I again, I, I'm just still kind of boggled as far as what we're looking at and what we're trying to achieve. Are we kickboxing or are we mixed martial arts? Well, That's right. what we got to, we really got to figure out. Absolutely. Corey McKenna over Kay Hanson by unanimous decision, 29, 28 times three. And Ken Flo and I don't like the word robbery, and a lot of fans will ask us in a situation like this if it was a robbery. I thought it was a close fight, but I thought it was fairly clear to score 29-28 for, uh, for Kay Hansen. And again, on the three scorecards that matter, she's on the wrong end of all three. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to watch this with a more trained eye, like every card out, right, better than the last one. I have the scoring literally printed to my left right now. And uh, I don't know, man. I just don't know. Every weekend we're doing uh, this. 
Right. So it's like this is this is how people are saying. And people are like, well, you know, uh, McKenna's landing some damage. She was landing shots uh, on the ground. Okay. So if you have my back and you're about to choke my ass, right? I'm on the brink of losing, and I'm doing this. Yeah. And I'm and I'm landing these shots, and I win the damn round. Right. Something's right. very I'm very wrong. I know. It's just it pisses me off for a lot of different reasons, but like, you know, these are, yeah, this is your livelihood. Like imagine how handsome it feels right now. Like waking up this morning where it's like, wait, so what do I need? Listen, there's other things she could have done better. Okay. Yeah. But when you're looking at that and you're going, what the hell do I need to do? Like both women fought their asses off. Okay. Both women fought their asses off and absolutely, you know, Cody's showing two checks right now. You got to throw one of those away, right? She just lost her win bonus. And, it, it's a horrible thing. And at the end of the day, you know what you're going to see? L. You know what everyone's going to remember? L. That's right. That famous red stripe on the Wikipedia page. Not too many yeah. of those on Kenflo's Wikipedia page. <laughs> so uh, Kanako Murata, right? And I bring yeah. her up because she had a dominant win over Randa Marcos. I love watching her chase takedowns all night, right? Mm-hmm. I just don't think a lot of people necessarily enjoy that. I absolutely sure. love watching wrestling and jujitsu and watching the grappling component to mixed martial arts. And uh, I don't know what to say on all of that. One more thing on the main event. I'll just say in terms of like watching your friends fight, you have to watch your friends fight all the time and you have to corner them. And certainly as is well documented on this program, it is not at all easy for me to watch Ken flow fight. It was not at all easy for me to watch you fight back in the day. But I have a new thesis statement in terms of calling fights involving my friends. I actually think it's easier to call the fight than Mm -hmm. to sit home and and watch those 25 minutes. Like, it's not fun. Like, when you were fighting Jose Aldo, um, it's it's not fun, I don't think, watching your friends fight. Like, how is it for you watching your close buddies compete? It's very tough. I think that, like, uh, it depends on the person, but I also think that – um, if you have a job to do, like you're calling fight, you're focused on that job, yeah. right? And, you know, you, it might not be quite, quite the same, but you're still focused on calling a fight. Or if I'm, let's say I'm cornering somebody, but, um, yeah, if you're sitting on the couch, you just feel like you're completely out of control. There's nothing you could do. You're watching right, the right. fight. You're just right. the, you're, the, the buildup of anticipation. It's, it's not a good feeling. I would no. much prefer to be in there fighting the than yeah. watching, right? Oh, it's yeah. just. Yeah, 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 of course that. And yeah, I just feel like I would rather be working. You know, I'm yeah. sitting there thinking like, man, you know, <laughs> I've smoked enough weed to be hungry. Why do I have no appetite? Oh yeah, Paul Felder's fine. Oh yeah, but no, I really do believe, and this was not my thesis statement on this before. That now, when it comes to Dominic Cruz and other guys who I work with, I would rather be calling the fight than have to sit on my couch. And it's not that uh, I don't have a long-standing personal relationship with Rafael dos Santos. I just, I don't know. I, I don't like watching my close friends uh, compete. Yeah. All right. I promise we will get to Chaos Williams. Uh, again, I was on Fidelity this morning seeing if I could buy stock in Chaos Williams. There's nothing <laughs> out there. Um, but we don't want to keep a good man waiting. Ray Longo in 60 seconds. First, though, we all know 2020 has been a little nuts. That does not mean, though, that you should disregard taking care of yours. Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And the mission has now gone international, not just here in the United States, but Manscaped has released their products in the United Kingdom, Canada, and down under in Australia as well. And Manscaped really has changed the game for me. It has changed the way I effectively go about my hygiene, not using the same trimmer to give myself a skin fade up top as I use down there. I got this lawnmower 3.0, waterproof technology, the great ceramic blade, 
and Manscaped also has a lot of products to go with it. They just released the Crop Care Kit as well. Includes all sorts of products. Kenfo loves the ball wipes, ladies and gentlemen. Always got to be prepared. Foot deodorant, body wash in that bundle as well. These formulations, all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know you're in good hands. And if you're not there yet with Manscaped, now is the time to get in on the craze. And we want to help you get there. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash af no promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF for 20% off and free shipping. That is manscaped.com slash AF. All right. He had a bye week last week. Let's get to the star of the show, the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Fact or fiction, I bought a Ray Longo Minute mask at AnikFlorianPodcast.com. Oh, I mean, absolutely. That's a fact. A hundred percent. I can't wait to wear it to the weigh-in at UFC 255. <laughs> oh. you know, I try to be subdued with the Anik and Florian podcast gear gratuitously in these UFC live event settings, but I am going to wear the piss out of that Ray Longo Minute mask as soon as it gets here. That is. In fact, I got to get a couple. You're right, though. I forgot we got a big fight coming up. So got- uh, I'm wearing a sweatshirt. It says entering title town, uh, courtesy of Barstool Sports, their store. Uh, and our UFC producer, Zach Candido, actually bought it for me back in the day. Did, did you recognize this, Ray, as a, a Massachusetts street sign when you see this or not necessarily? Uh, I really can't see it, but I'm going to say no. Like I, uh, That help. Entering title town. Entering title town. Like, yeah. do you even know what that means? Title no, town. No, no, that, no. It would be a zero. Right. That's because he's from New York. He got that New York blood, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> wow. This guy. You know, he can't let anything go, Kenny. He can't <laughs> let it go. Speaking uh, of which, did you work extra rounds last night? I don't believe I saw no. you on the post-fight show. No, I don't. Uh, I, I refuse to answer that question on the ground. Uh-huh. You incriminate me. Okay. Because you texted me, which made me think you were not performing. Well, you know. What are you going to do? <laughs> That's all right. You got you know. you to keep, you gotta keep him guessing. Keep him guessing. I like it. I like it. I should read what he texted me. I'll see if it's appropriate as I get to my list of questions here for Ray Longo. So we have Aljamain Sterling scheduled to join us today in about yeah. a half an hour from Las Vegas. I'm very excited for that. Aljo, I, I Sent me the sparring round yesterday. Looks like he's doing great. He's on a, he's he's his mind's in the right spot. I really is. I got a great feel on this fight. Uh, man, all he has to do is stay healthy between now and the time of the fight, and he's he's winning that title. So your text is actually not appropriate for me to read on the air, incidentally. <laughs> but part of it was you just obviously had a lot of respect for Paul Felder in defeat. So I guess we can uh-huh. start there. Uh, Philadelphia's finest, super tough, uh, super skilled, but a little bit short against Rafael Dos Anjos. Listen, man, this is this is my point. I love guys that take risks. This guy is going to be a winner for the rest of his life. I mean, he won. Not only did he take the fight, I mean, he that was a good fight. That really was a good fight. And RDA was on, so it was even you know yeah. wasn't. Uh, and hats off to RDA too because you know letting a guy like Felder come in last minute, who's a tough out for anybody, but. You know, look, at any point in that time, I think Felder could have won the fight. You know, he appropriately lost. The decision was obviously right. But, um, but man, that fight was was good. And, again, he's a, he stepped up to the plate. I said it when we did the Instagram Live, two words, company man. That's you know, right. that was it. And, you know, I hope it pays off for him because I think he did save the show. And it was a, a, a very, you know, uh, 
a competitive fight. And, uh, you know, hats off to Felder, man. I think uh, hopefully, like, again, the UFC appreciates what he did and uh, they take care of that guy. He's doing a great job with the announcing. I think he's looking at the big picture when he did every, when he did everything. But for a guy that didn't train for the fight, I mean, you got to give it up to the guy. I mean, I, and I, I picked Felder to win. Right. Uh, and I think he fought great. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, as a betting man, I should have been handicapped something. I think he did win. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that what a great performance by Felder. I mean, to walk in there for five rounds is not easy. You know, it kind of reminds me, not, you know, it's a different circumstance, but even Al stepping up, these are guys that are just tough guys that love to fight. And, they, you know, he stepped up and he could have, he could have bailed out in that fight, but he didn't, you know, and again, you had guys that couldn't make the weight. Here's a guy that's, you know, struggles with the weight. He made the weight. Yep. Uh, a lot of good things in there for Felder, man. I think, uh, Exactly what you saw last night is who that guy is in life, man. He's going to keep grinding. He's going to work for his family. He's going to do all the all the right things at you know, at his own cost. You know what I mean? Which is pretty admirable to me. You know, Ken Flo Paul was very frustrated with some of the weight misses, given all that yeah. he had to put his body through to uh, to make weight. And it's hard to blame him. And I do believe that the best way to affect change as far as the penalties are concerned is to have guys like Israel Adesanya and Paul Felder, higher profile guys, take issue with their counterparts who are on the fight card beneath them, so to speak, right? And to go public with that frustration. Because again, I don't believe that if you sign a featherweight contract and you weigh 149 pounds, that you should be able to get a featherweight win. You should be fighting for a no contest. And to me, that should be the deterrent. But I was, I, I like seeing my guy Felder get a little bit an, animated there after the fight. Kenny. Uh, I agree. You know, um, I think that it, it shows, you know, that uh, people are built differently. I think that Paul showed a mental toughness uh, that is rare. Um, and I think if you want it bad enough, you are going to make the weight. And a lot of these guys just don't want it bad enough, but I, I will argue as far as, you know, um, taking a fight or being in a position to take a fight on five days notice, I think that, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but like, let's say Aljo, uh, is at where he's at. Let's say he's, he's a ranked fighter, you know, top two, uh, in the UFC, would you allow Aljo to take a non-title fight in a main event on five days' notice, Ray? Uh, look, it's it's all on the individual. Aljo probably wouldn't do it though, because Aljo's right. very cerebral in his approach to things, and he's going to rationalize it differently. Iaquint is more of a cowboy, so I would let Aljo. But he was training for a fight too, though. Al, like Al was already oh, right. scheduled to have a fight, so it's a little different. But yeah, like okay, let's but, say a guy like Aljo wouldn't do it, right? Because. I think that's the smart approach in in my opinion. I think that's a smarter approach. And I think yeah. that in a lot of ways, you know, again, people might not like this take, but I think that when you do something like that, um, it, you have a lot more to lose as a fighter. You give, you give the, the, the power to the organization, you give the power yeah. to the UFC and you kind of hurt fighters in a lot of ways because now, you know, for another fighter, they're going to put a fighter on the spot. They'll be like, well, Felder did it on five days notice. Why don't you do it? Uh, and I think it, it kind of hurts fighters in a lot of ways uh, and helps the UFC. And, and that's fine. That, that you know, Fair Felder's point. in a different position, you know, Felder works for the company, but I do think that, um, you know, I, I have a different perception of, of that whole situation. Um, and again, it does not take away from what Paul Felder accomplished and what he did. I, I think it's, it's insane. It's unbelievable. But yeah. now, you know, Paul Felder's record sits at 17 and six now. Uh, and, you know, I think Paul Felder's skills 
Um, not that a 17-6 record is bad. I think it's great. But I think that Paul Felder is better than what his record indicates, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, look, I I, I got to tell you, Kenny, really great point, John. He brings up stuff. It's I don't even like to argue it because what he's saying is very, very rational and, and to the fighter. But, man, I want to say there's an intangible in there, Kenny, that when 10 years from now, when Felder walks into a room, he's going to be known for the guy that's just stepped up. And I, I hope, in my heart, I hope that people like the po popular, like the, the majority of people respect Felder for who he is, not looking at his record for what he's done. And, you know, there's there's certain people out there that have crappy records, but they fought the best of the best. And I think there's something to be said about that. Uh, your your point is good, though. I mean, and, and again, there's there's a lot, but there's more to it than that. So a guy couldn't be training for a fight, but he might be in the gym every day. We know that wasn't the case for Felder, but I'm saying if Felder wasn't training for that triathlon and he didn't feel like his lungs were good, he wouldn't have taken the fight. I don't think he would have did that. He was doing some sort of training, and we've seen, I think, the Diaz brothers, they were always big on, you know, bike riding and swimming, and their cardio always held up. And when you like, love to fight, and, you know, he's not a, a beginner. He knows how to fight. If he feels his cardio's in place, look, man, he landed his share of shots in that fight. And went 25 hard minutes. You know, everybody was talking about, you know, uh, no sparring, the, the timing. I think his timing looked good. Look, he got beaten where we thought he would get beat, which is the – which he got out grappled or he got out wrestled against right. the cage, you know. But that's it. He didn't – that fight standing up, even they, – they both traded. Uh, I, I probably would give the edge to RDA. I'd love to look at the punch stats on that. Uh, but, you know uh, – it really depends on the guy because there, there's been times where I've had guys in the gym that are they're crushing it and sparring. They have no fights lined up and they take a fight last minute and they yeah. win because they are training. So we don't really know what happens. You know what I mean? And um, I also think Felder is in a unique situation because he kind of has one foot out the door. But I think part of yeah. Kenny's point is that this uh, essentially eliminates him from lightweight title contention. Now, if he doesn't take this fight, maybe he's not even in lightweight title contention because unfortunately – the judges got the hooker fight wrong, in my humble opinion. You know what right. I mean? So there are a lot of factors. Yeah, but yeah, I do believe that now for Paul, it's about big fights and main event fights. And uh, I think the belt, which is OK to him, kind of dissipated, at least on paper, with uh, with this defeat. It is what it is. Uh, let's see. Yeah, but guys, I mean, first off, the UFC will do whatever they want. If they need a guy for a title, right, right, right. you know what I mean? Like he's not, That doesn't mean he's out of the picture for a title. Uh, and even RDA, the guy was a, a an ex champion. He's another guy who's fought the best of the best. I could see him fighting for a title tomorrow. I mean, nobody's going to argue right, with that. Right. You know with I mean? respect, though, look at look at 155 pounds right without now. Without a right? doubt, I mean, there's yeah. there's just too many names. I mean, Tony yeah. Ferguson can't get a shake. You know, right. Right? that's I, what, that's I, what I mean. I mean, it's already exactly. it's already difficult enough. And and right. I think yeah. you can put yourself in a very difficult position with just one loss. So I, yeah, there's, yeah. Well, that, there's that, gambling involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the thing. I don't think he would have taken that fight if he didn't think he had a good chance of winning, though. And it was, I, I believe, it was a calculated risk. And listen, to guys like me, I'm always, I'm always going to respect him more than a Dos Anjos. It's just that's who, that uh, that's the way I'm going to look at it. You know, the guys that step up like that, yeah, their record might not show it, and that sucks if you're looking at just the record. But when you look at the uh, you know the character involved with some of those fights. I think this was this was a uh, this was a big thing. You know, it's uh, like again, like I got a guy, Marab. I think you could put him in at any time because it doesn't matter. He's always in the gym. 
Right. You know, I let him, I tell you, I mean, the guy, he, he went somewhere else to spark. I got four guys fighting in Philly this week and, uh, he had to get his sparring at, uh, he went over to Long Island MMA and I, I text him, I go, how'd the sparring go? When he texts me back, Kenny, he did nine five minute rounds. I'm like, this is the problem. No, Kenny, this is the problem. No, you get, you get what I'm saying? Like, and <laughs> not nine, not even six, not even double the fight. I mean, like, why? Why, why do I have to do it? Why do you have to put He's up- in shape. He's, He's in shape. <laughs> and, then, and I'll tell you why. It didn't matter if he had a fight or not. So there's a guy, you put him in last minute, you could say whatever you, he's going to step up and do it. You know what I mean? Look, he wanted a tough challenge. This could affect his record. If Marab was playing it safe and he, you know, he's climbing the ranks very nicely now, he's not asking for, uh, how do you pronounce his name again? Howney Barcelos. Barcelos, you know what I mean? So he understands what's in front of him. He loves the challenge and he's going to be another guy. Like his record doesn't, indicate who he is either because he never lost in the ufc to me you know what i mean but on paper he looks like he's got a couple of losses but to me that guy's undefeated Good, let him sneak up on people which he absolutely is not doing anymore he has a championship mentality yeah an otherworldly cardiovascular system and drive and i think on any given saturday night with respect to aljo marab dwalish willie can beat any bantamweight in the world we've had this conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. he's the total package Human being, you couldn't give him a higher endorsement. Uh, there's no doubt there are certain guys who yeah. are ready to go 45 weeks a year. I want to quickly get to two more fights if I could, and then yeah. we'll let you spin on out of here. Chaos Williams, and I want Ken Flo's opinion on this as well. What am I watching here with this power? I mean, this is unbelievable. <laughs> like, What is this? Is this technique? Is this power? Because... 55 and 70 are full of these guys with these shiny records, 11 and one. And finally they get these opportunities like chaos Williams said to fight on TV. And now everybody knows what he's known all along. I don't know if you can tell me how good chaos Williams is going to be big picture, but look damn good in 30 seconds on Saturday night. He sure did, man. I mean, listen, uh, I, I think that, I always like seeing um, a, a lot more than 30 seconds to, to make a judgment on that. But what we can make it a judgment on is that this guy is lightning fast. He has power and he has tremendous timing. And he did that against another guy who has those very same things. So um, he's someone to watch. Uh, it, it gets me really curious. And I think he's going to do some serious damage in the UFC if he continues to look like that. But when you're able to get someone to crash into you at the same time. So not only was it Chaos's shot coming in, uh, but it was, uh, you know, uh, his opponent coming in at the exact same time. He was trying to throw a shot. So getting that perfect head-on collision was exactly what Chaos Williams wanted and created. Uh, and, man, he just looked way faster as well. I mean, what a shot. Uh, I didn't think it was going to go that way. I didn't know enough about Chaos Williams. I'm still not sure I know enough. But what I do know, this dude is dangerous as hell. And I'm probably not going to bet against him next fight out. I haven't seen a right hand like that since long yeah. ago on the streets of New York in the early <laughs> 1980s. You know, I see the chaos Williams. I hear he's from Detroit. My brain goes right to the Kronk boxing gym, man. All the great guys that came out of there and oh their boxing skills are like a Hearns. Tommy right Hearns, hand. yeah. Tommy Hearns dropping the right hand on undefeated guys and just staunching them. But he, listen, he did kind of fake his jab too, Kenny. He caused that collision. That guy went to react to that jab, and this guy was quick enough and efficient enough that he threw that right hand right off his chin the way you're supposed to, down the middle like a rocket, 
and boom, it was over. But if you look, he kind of like, he gets him to bite on that left hand, and then boom, he crashes him with the right. So, look, there's still a lot to be seen with his takedown defense and how he is on the ground, which, you know, that that's the important part going forward. But anybody willing to stand up with this kid's going to have a problem, I think, based on the little that we've seen. And and I'll tell you, what a what a great name. You know, you know, I can't remember anybody's names. I'll never forget who this guy If he never fought again, I'll remember that name because it's such a great name. Yeah. Chaos Williams, Ox Fighter. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Sean Strickland with a signature win over Brendan Allen, a huge, huge win for Sean Strickland, who has had an underrated career in the UFC. But I bring it up in the context of Brendan Allen, supposed to fight Ian Heinish at 185 pounds, sticks around for this catchweight offering against Sean Strickland. And certainly that show money is all well and good. And B.A. can't wait to get back to his family. He's only 24 years old. So uh, plenty of time to make up for things. Um, But again, this unforeseen global pandemic climate rears its head again. That can flow, right? Like I'll lead with you and you can toss it to Ray. But for B.A., if you're his management, right? If he's 31, you probably are more selective than at 24. And uh, I don't know what he makes to show, um, but he just went in there uh, with a lot of weapons, but a tough guy approach. And I don't want to take anything away from Strickland, but, uh, you know, it ended up being kind of a disastrous end to uh, a 10 day stretch for, for Brendan Allen there. Absolutely. Listen, I, I love I love the courage that has always been there for Brendan Allen. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to understand that there's a guy across from you uh, who hits very hard as well. So defensively, you just you got to be solid. And sometimes I think that fighters uh, go out there thinking that they're uh, they're invincible, that they're indestructible, that they can't be knocked out. We are human. We're all human. Um, I think. Keep that courage, keep that willingness to fight, but protect your damn chin, man. I think Allen just wasn't respecting Strickland. If you don't respect that guy across from you who's throwing shots, even if you're the better fighter, anyone could be knocked out. Anyone could be knocked out. I don't care. There's any. There's a lot of pro fighters out there, very dangerous. You go into a bar fight, right? You can be knocked out. You have to understand that. So you have to be very defensively sound. You have to be ready. And I don't think he was respecting Strickland enough. And, uh, you know, hopefully he he learned a lesson that he's got to be sharper with his defense because it can happen to anybody out there. And um, I love Allen's willingness to fight. He's a very skillful guy. What I don't want to see is see a guy with that much potential lose a bunch of fights in a row, now lose his chin, and now everyone forgets about Brandon Allen because this is a guy who I think who can go really far. So he just has to preserve himself. Man, I think uh, Kenny's really, no, he's hitting on really, really solid points. Again, as far as the management team goes, I don't think it's management in the terms that we think a management team is. They're, they're not really, they, they're not really negotiating with the UFC. They're not making that decision. I don't like this for my fighter. They, they, they're kind of just informing you there's a fight and I'll take care of the this, the flight. And the, you know what I mean, Kenny? It's not. Thinking, like, they're also thinking about the percentage that they make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that right. sounds like a good fight. Cool. Yeah, there's, there's I mean, count that money. Yeah, you yeah, see fun. how much money I'm going to make <laughs> exactly. off of that one. Cool. Yeah. And there's a lot in there. You know what I mean? Because a real look, if you had a prospect, a real management thing, you, things would be different. You would, you would pick your fights. You would grow your fighter the right way. In the UFC, you don't have a chance for that. In boxing, there's you have a way you, you can get away with that. You know what I mean? There's not one organization that's dictating, you know, what you're gonna do. So 
there's a little different situation. But again, Kenny's points are well taken. So there's there's two, you know, even with the Felder thing, you know what I mean? Like, you're right. If you really want to analyze that, somebody should have said, don't do the fight. But I still think there's so many other things that define your personality and your character. And if you have a big picture involved, like I think, like Felder, I don't know why I'm jumping back to that, but I think he he loves the broadcasting. He knows this, this is a good thing to, to solidify him getting work as a broadcaster. And he lo- he's looking, the guy loves to fight. We know yeah. that. He's a fighter. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, you know, I'm sure they're going to reward him financially too for stepping up. So it's not the end of the world looking at your record. Although if that was it, then I have to agree with Kenny. And, I, you know, I'm almost flip-flopping to the other side. If you really want to make a strategical decision on your future and what your record's going to look like, like, like say if you had a business venture that, would depend a lot on an undefeated record. You know what I mean? Coming up in the future. Then that, that would be one way of looking at it. But the management thing, they're not as involved as you think that in doing that. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I, it, it's weird, you know. But hopefully, like Kenny says, Brendan Allen learns a lesson. And this is – like some guys in the gym, you can't even talk to them. And they, they, there's only one way of learning, and that's by exactly what happened. They have to get knocked out. They have to suffer a defeat. You know, guys, I, how many times I tell this guy, he'll never take me down. He's take gets taken down eight times in the fight. You know what I mean? They have to learn the hard way, a lot of guys. I don't know if he's that guy. You know, he, he doesn't seem that guy because I don't know if you saw the clip with Matt and him on Unfiltered where he turned down like four fights because it was his sister's birthday, his aunt's birthday. I mean, I'm like, oh, this guy's not going to have a good career in the UFC no matter what. I mean, I don't know if you caught that clip. You got to go back and look that's at hilarious. it. Hilarious. Yeah, out that's like, the other way, right? It's like, yeah, come on, do you way. really want to fight? Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the guy that wants to fight. You know, was the dog had to go to the vet? You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it was crazy. Matt was just standing there, like, holy crap. But so I don't know. There's a lot. There's there's a lot of variables with all of this stuff, and uh, you know, obviously, look, the UFC is gonna. They're going to take advantage of guys that want to just jump in there and fight. You know, that that's that's a fact. So somebody on the outside has to pull them back from that. But, you know, there's, there's guys out there grabbing a paycheck and they're happy as hell. You know, I think even a guy like Brian Kelleher, how many times has he fought? Catch weight, 35. Yeah. I think he's doing great. I think the kid's... You know, he's, he's making money, and I think uh, he doesn't mind. Like, look, if, if you're stressing out about fighting, like everything's a big deal, it's not for you. You know what well, I mean? If you're a guy that you're going to – if you don't fight in the UFC next week, you're going to – there's a chance you get in a street fight and go to jail or do something stu- – this is a great time for people. You know what I really mean? It really has changed the game. I'm Paul yeah, yeah, no, you're right. the biggest yeah. payday of his career, right? He – was eating donuts with his daughter a few days prior, you know, and then all of a sudden brings home a a very significant paycheck and elevated his career, both in career and post career in in measurable ways. So no, it's all good things, but it it really is interesting right now that if you can be more Marab like ready for the five, yeah, yeah. Well, they're not just going to be opportunities, but like legitimately. That's the issue. That's the that's the the takeaway for all of the guys out there. You got to be ready to fight tomorrow. You could capitalize on some great paydays and on some great fights that you would have never got before this pandemic. But just stay ready, man. That's it. Right. At all course, stay ready and be ready to go. And that's that's your job, you know. So I love the guys that do that. You know what I mean? And 
And again, you go back and look at the RDA fight. It was a, it was a, a very good fight, man. It was a good yeah. fight yeah. to watch. And yeah. there's no honor lost anywhere. You know what I mean? But it is an L on your record. And if you're looking at it from that standpoint, I can't argue that. Yeah. You know? All right. Nicely done. All right. Before I let you go, I have a bunch of rapid fire questions that I'm going to ask Aljamain Sterling at the end of his interview. And one of them, it says here, Ray Longo looks like he has been living on a bus in Alaska, eating poisonous plants. Are you really going to let him be in your corner looking like that? <laughs> that's a, that's a perfect question for Aljo. Thank yeah. His answer, his answer very well could be no. No, I heard him. He did an interview with my buddy, the Schmo, and he said you will be firmly entrenched in his corner. No, somebody wrote a tweet. I believe it was Jeff Gallo back in the day, and I believe that's a line from a movie maybe, like Into the Sun or Into the Heart. I don't know. Uh, it's a uh, reference to Chris McCandless. Yes. Yeah. So Kenflo knows this tweet well because Jeff Gallo wrote it back in the day. He said Michael Chiesa – I can't even say it. Looks like he's been living on a bus in Alaska eating poisonous plants. He's got the lettuce going everywhere. Looks like you shave since our Instagram live, but uh, lay off the poisonous plants, Longo. Okay? I got it. I like I like that quote though. I love it. Whoever came up with yeah. it for whatever reason, but uh, and Kiesa definitely at times yes. fits that bill. You know what Very I mean? Much so. Into you know, the look, Wild, Into the Wild, into the, the book, wild. into the Wild. Yeah, it was a great book and oh, yeah. a, a great movie. Check it out. Is that the guy that went off the grid? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chris McCandless, who went Fairbanks, yeah. Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a crazy movie <laughs> that was. No? It was crazy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, interesting. That was an interesting. Uh, that was like a, a college-educated guy, highly yes. educated. Yes. Just, yeah, went off the grid. I didn't know it was in Alaska, but uh, it was a uh, uh, crazy movie. Yeah, raising raising Long Island. Okay, he's not in Alaska. That's he's right. fine. Right. Yeah, he's doing good. All right. Well, uh, I'll see you in a few days. We'll talk to you next Sunday, and uh, have a great rest of your weekend, my man. All right, guys. Yeah, Ray. Take it easy, guys. There he is, the star of the show, Raymond Peter Longo, with us every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Now, this holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. So right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you will get another three months for free. This is the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. You order from home, plans start at just $15 a month. Ken Flo and I got in on Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal was in place. This is Mint Mobile's best offer of the year. You see, by going online only, you eliminate the traditional costs of retail. Mint Mobile passes those significant savings directly onto you. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. Keep your same phone number with all of your existing contacts as well. And if you are not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. So why not switch to Mint Mobile? Get premium wireless service for just $15 a month for a limited time by any three months. Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash Florian. That's mintmobile.com slash Florian. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Florian. All right. Without further delay, let us get to the Funk Master. All right. Now joining us early a.m. on a Sunday, by the way. How about this guy? He is live from his Las Vegas residence. The UFC's number one bantamweight contender, a man who is 27 short sleeps away from challenging Piotr Jan for the undisputed UFC Bantamweight title. He is the funk master, Aljamain Sterling. Good morning, Aljo. It is fucking great to see you, young man. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I had 27 sleeps. It's uh, right around the corner. It feels so close, man. It's uh, surreal to just finally be here. And you've earned every bit of it. 
So you're a Nevada resident right now. Do you have you don't have a Nevada driver's license, but you are coming to us today from uh, from your home in Nevada. Is that right? Oh yes, but I do have a Nevada license. Wow! Look at you! <laughs> Look at you! It's official. We change. So, uh, and do you know how to pronounce your home state? Nevada. <laughs> Nevada. Yeah, that's good. Nevada. A lot of people say Nevada, but thankfully Bruce Buffer and everybody else on broadcast gets it right with Nevada. <laughs> so we have a lot that we want to get to with you. Obviously, we're we're very excited to a man uh, for you to have this opportunity. But Corey Sandhagen, the guy who you beat in the title eliminator, one of the best bantamweights in the world. So he was on with Brendan Schaub recently. <laughs> and if, if people don't know the results, you choked him out in, in 88 seconds back in June. He said you have a level of intensity that is unusual. I don't know if you saw the quote, but just your presence, your intensity was something that he really took with him, I think, moving forward. Um, and he said he doesn't necessarily think that Piotr Jan, while technically good, brings that intensity. Have you always had that? And, and did you feel particularly intense that Sandhagen night or not? Uh, yeah, for sure, 100%. I think... Um... I think that's kind of my MO, to be honest. I've been kind of been like that since wrestling season and the wrestling days, I should say, back in high school. That's kind of the way the the upperclassmen taught us. And, um, you know, I, I like to think I compete very emotional, but at the same time, not emotional in the sense of where it has a fight. But for me, it's like life or death in there you know you know the one time i kind of didn't have that intensity that fire when i went in there was the marlon marais fight you know i went in there just very cold just kind of like whatever didn't feel like i was going for a fight i didn't have chills i didn't have any nerves um and i made sure to never let that happen again you know so um i know what corey's talking about and i think it's i don't know it's, it's a, i guess it's kind of like a presence and yeah. um you know, I kind of try to make sure the guy feels that, you know, you're you're in here with someone. It's not just the same practice. This isn't someone you're about to just run through. Like, I want to make sure everything is felt when I get a hold of you that, you know, I got a hold of you. You, you could definitely see that, man. Um, you know, I, the way I see this fight against uh, Piotr Jan is the fact that I don't think he's fought anyone like you. Do, do you see it that way? And how do you think you match up against someone like him? I, I agree. Um, he's fought some tough dudes, but I think my resume is definitely uh, deeper than his. And um, I think that's going to be a huge talking point for coming up for this fight. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage for me. You know, I think I've seen a lot more in the octagon. He's had six fights to date. I've had 14. You know, I, I do say he's had a very impressive run in terms of that he did what he was supposed to do when the UFC put those particular opponents in front of him. And I don't think every single one of them he passed with flying colors. So um, I like my odds. I like my chances in this. And I think uh, I think he's in for a rude awakening because I, I, I do think in his head he's probably imagining that he's going to run through my strikes and walk through everything and I can't hurt him. And um, it, it's, he's going to be sadly mistaken. Sadly, sadly mistaken. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, uh your coach, Ray Longo, had a question for you, dude. Hold on. Aljo, yeah, okay. Aljo, do you have a separate room in your mansion for me to stay when I get out of Vegas? Is he on right now? No, he wanted to tape that earlier. It sounds like the answer is no. No mansion um, or no room. As of right now, no, but I can... <laughs> 
I could kick some guys out or right. demote them to the couch. <laughs> Put like <laughs> a yoga be- mat on the kitchen island or something. He'll, he'll be fine. Ray's fine. Yeah, there's plenty of space, though. He <laughs> Give him the room, give one of the young bucks the couch. Uh, there's five beds here so and two sectional couches, so there's plenty of room for everybody. If you guys are trying to raise the average age under that roof, you just bring it. <laughs> hey, just so one thing, one thing Valentina Shevchenko talks a lot about, and perhaps this dovetails with her personality more than most, but is managing her energy with the media during these championship fight weeks. And this is your first championship fight week. No doubt that fight against Corey Sanhagen jumped off the card for a lot of people at UFC 250. It was a huge fight. But have you given any thought to what that fight week is going to entail and how many people are going to want a piece of the funk master that maybe weren't nipping at your heels the last several fight weeks. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And, um, I think it'd be nice to kind of get used to that right now. And I know exactly what Shevchenko is talking about, man. You know, for, for a guy like myself, I don't think I've done a super, um, or like a, a really crazy amount of media for one particular fight, but, I can imagine the amount that I've done and during a fight week and then people messaging me on the side and asking for extra time for me to try to fit in into my weight cutting, my, tr- my training sessions and just the mental downtime. Uh, so I can see how that could be overbearing, especially for a main event, a cold main event. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do what my obligations are. I'm not going to overextend myself because sometimes I, I tend to do that and run myself a little bit dry mentally and uh you kind of have to just make sure you could bring yourself back uh and focus you know because it can be tiring and exhausting to keep talking about the same over and over and over but it's part of the job you know so i do understand that part and um i I think i'm be in the same boat you know i i get it from a a much earlier age with the media and I, i think that's what helped me get to where i am today in terms of my social media presence and all that stuff because i understand that side of things and uh I think I do a good job of balancing that out. So I, I think going forward is going to be pretty much the same thing. Just take on what I can take on and the extra stuff, you know, um, hopefully things go well and they still want to talk to me after the fight. So oh, well, you know that, <laughs> that's but that, that's just my soft way as the old man that I am of saying, you know, don't be afraid to take charge of your own fight. We can say no a little bit because you just by nature, your energy, you're a captivating guy. And I just feel like sometimes that energy expenditure can be lost on fighters. And again, all of a sudden fight week rolls around and like all of a sudden there are these hits and and responsibilities that weren't necessarily on your ledger at the beginning of the week. So that's why I'm reaching out on November 15th because I don't want to be up (laughs) in your shit in December, you know, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I trust me. I'm getting a lot of stuff already. I'm just like, Oh my God. Cause it's so hard for me to say no. Um, so I just try to direct everyone to my manager and if it fits in the schedule fits, if it doesn't, then I don't know. Right. Thanks a lot, Amanda Nunez for lessening the grind. It's one of the hardest things that, you know, for people to do or like for fighters, right? Cause you want to be able to promote your fight and you want to talk to people, but at the same time, like every time you hear a question or someone says something to you, those are little seeds that could like invade your brain a little bit. Even if it's like good things like, Oh man, you're going to have an easy fight against Piotr Jan. You're like, yeah, I'm going to have an easy fight against Piotr. You know what I mean? Like you don't want that stuff invading your head. I think that's one of the more difficult things is like dealing with the outside stuff. You, you know how to train, you know how to prepare for a fight, but like dealing with other people getting into your head, I think is, is it a thing that a lot of people underestimate? Yeah, that that is one of the things I do tend. That's kind of I don't. I guess it's a pet a pet peeve 
would be that, oh, this fight is going to be really easy for you. I'm like, really? This guy who's training almost his entire life is going to be a really easy fight for me. I, you know, I, I tend not to look at fights like that when I make, whenever I have my approaches to them. And um, the other one is when people say, I'm betting the house on you. I'm betting the mortgage right, on right. you. I'm like, dude, honestly, I do not care. <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> know that. And uh, keep that one to yourself. Just if you win, just buy me a drink or two. And uh, that's it. That's all I ask for. UFC's number one bantamweight contender, Aljamain Sterling, joining us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. A couple more minutes with uh, with Aljo here. You don't have to tell me who. Uh, do you have a certain person mimicking Piotr Jan on a consistent basis? Are you are you diving into a bunch of film? Like, what have the last few weeks been like as you hone in on the target, so to speak? Um, I think it's been more so focusing on me, focusing on what I've been doing. And um, I did have a couple guys try to imitate him, Danny Gay, um, a couple of other guys that I got to rust, uh, wrestle with to give me the, the kind of looks that he does defensively, which is him just trying to really get back to his feet. That's his main goal, his main priority. Um, so that's been good. Um, but other than that, I mean, we had a crazy sparring session yesterday, uh, three different bodies, five rounds, and it was fun, but not so fun in the process of knowing that after you get through rounds one and two, you got two more fresh guys that you got to deal with. And um, they were all high-level guys. The first two rounds, Cody Stamen, um, we've previously fought. Um, that guy is a tank, man. He is strong. You know, it took me a couple of tries to get him down. Um, and this guy, this other kid, he's actually from New York, Lazar, Southpaw boxer, had over 150 amateur boxing fights. And the guy hits hard, you know, so I'm dealing with him. I couldn't get him down the first round, uh, um, which would be the third round. Uh, that was probably the most brutal round for me out of the five because he just he beat me up coming from Cody Stamen going jump into that. That was a rough go, you know, getting taken down, getting controlled a bit, trying to get back to my feet. But after I got him a little bit tired, the tie started to change a little bit. You know, it's going into that the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth, the, all the fourth, I should say. And then uh, we had another good guy. This kid's a 25er, and uh, he's still amateur, which is fascinating because when I first worked with him, I thought he was a pro. I was like, how many fights does this kid have? He's probably undefeated, probably about to get signed to the UFC, Hawaiian tough dude, and uh, he's an amateur. His name is Puni. And um, I guess he's done a ton of training camps with Joseph Benavidez, a lot of high-level guys that they bring him in for the striking, and he does not disappoint. You know, I've used him three times now and uh he was my last round trying to catch that guy with the speed and hand pop 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 and then he's gone and i'm exhausted because this is round five and i'm like yeah this is this lets me know where i'm at so i was able to still push through and finish up strong but um doing those kind of things for my preparation and uh we still got a couple more weeks to go just maintaining control and i think that's going to be the to make focus, we get him down, we keep him down. You know, right. don't let right. don't let Jan gain any confidence by getting back to his feet. And if he does get up, we're just gonna take the Khabib approach and be hard headed and just keep trying to take him down. That's that's it. Just drown him in deep waters. Why people continue to sleep on your striking? You know, it's not like you signed a contract for a kickboxing match because if you did, you know, I'd like to see how you do there too. You know what I mean? So yeah, he's gonna have to earn that one. <laughs> yeah, right. That's right. Earn that. Keep it up on the feet. He's going to have to earn that. Force me to strike. You know, if you can't, then that's on you. So do you feel like everything in your life is kind of coming together? How do you like living in Nevada? When are you getting married? I mean, it just seems like you've been at this thing. It's been a really productive half decade for you. And uh, I don't know. I wouldn't mind waking up being Aljamain Sterling, I would think, most mornings, you know? <laughs> 
Uh, it's not a bad life right now, man. I, I really can't complain. You know, I, I always say jokingly, like if, um, but in a serious sense, if, you know, I would get hurt tomorrow and I couldn't compete anymore, um, my life's good. You know, I, I've laid a good amount of uh, brick down for myself for the future. And uh, I think I'm in a very good spot um, physically, mentally, and financially. You know, I did a lot of good things. And, um, you know, it's my third house being in Nevada residence now and going back and forth from here to New York, doing my training camp, splitting my time. Um, life's good. Got a beautiful girlfriend, hopefully soon to be wife. And um, yeah, you know, just, I'm just riding this wave right now. You know, we got December 12th, we got the icing on the cake and you know, that's what it's all going to be about. Just all this to get here, you know? So um, it's, it's just really exciting times. And for those that have been with me from the beginning, the ups, the lows, and uh, just being a part of that journey. All right, we got two minutes with Aljamain Sterling. Some rapid-fire questions here on the way out. Do you have any sports allegiances? Like, do you have a favorite professional sports team or not? Um, <clears throat> I used to be a huge Giants fan, but as I started to do MMA, I kind of got away from watching football every Sunday and um, I'm still a Giants fan, but I am slowly converting to also a Raiders fan because they're actually winning. Um, <laughs> it's been a couple of years for us to keep taking these L's. I don't know how much longer I can keep dealing with that, but it's, uh, it's always nice to see the Giants in the win column. So um, those are the two teams I'm, I'm liking right now that I, I try to watch whenever I get the opportunity. Gotcha. All right. How did you score Rafael Dos Anjos versus Paul Felder? I know Felder's your guy, former CFFC champ like yourself. Uh, how did you score that fight last night? Uh, it, it was actually tough for me to watch the first three rounds because I was finishing up um, a project with ESPN that came out here. Not the countdown. They're doing another piece on me. Um, so I only got to watch halfway through the third and the fourth and the fifth. And it looked like Rafael was winning. Um, there were some moments for for Felder that I thought maybe he could do something, get an upset. <clears throat> and um, man, he was striking when he struck. He struck hard. Uh, it was just tough because every time he would get his back back to the cage, R R RDA would do a good job of shooting and pushing him all the way back to the cage. And obviously, he was doing a triathlon. He wasn't training for MMA, so. Him to have that muscle endurance for, for wrestling, that's a different grind, man. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, and he did particularly well in the striking department, but I don't know if it was a split decision. Um, I thought it was clear cut for RDA, but, um, you know, you can make an argument that Paul did some very damaging things in, in some of those exchanges. I would just have to watch rounds one and two over and the first half of round three. Pretty good assessment, though, nonetheless. All right. Competing in the 25-foot octagon versus the 30-foot octagon. Some people suggest I make too much of it. Do you have a preference, or is it matchup dependent as to which cage you compete in? Um, Actually, there's no preference. Uh, I've never even noticed the bigger cage and a little cage until the Corey Sanhagen fight, honestly. Um, yeah. I've never. It was never a thing for me. Like, we're fighting in a big cage. We're fighting in a small cage. I guess because I always thought maybe I've always competed in the big cage because the UFC typically puts me on the pay-per-view events. I mean, Cody Stamen was a big cage. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Henning Burrell was a big cage. That was yep. Anaheim. Um, Your UFC debut was a pay-per-view in 2014. Pay yeah. So I've never really noticed it. I feel like my style tends to just always manage to push guys back and I cut them off 
and I just get them against the cage anyway, and then I could drag them down. But yeah, I've never really noticed that. But it is a, an advantage if you actually think about it because it's a lot easier to cut somebody off in a smaller cage than a bigger cage for sure. That's a hundred percent fact. But um, I don't know if it plays that much of a difference for my fight style in particular. Yeah. All I mean, right, last I question. I'll hunt you down before I let you go. Ray Longo, I don't know if you've seen him, but he looks like he has been living on a bus in Alaska eating poisonous plants. <laughs> so are you going to let him be in your corner without like a shower or a haircut? I mean, he <laughs> doesn't look great these days, man. I'm going to get him a hair tie so he can at least yeah, right. one. All right, that's good. All right, my man. Well, uh, I thought I was anxious watching Paul Felder last night. I'm going to be pretty anxious watching you compete for this belt, but we know on behalf of this whole show how much you have put into this. We wish you all the best with that opportunity. We will track you on the weekly scraps. If you're not following, Aljo has a weekly podcast as well, produced by our guy Cody Merrow. And uh, can't wait for that walk on December 12th, man. We appreciate 20 minutes. Wish you uh, a great Sunday, and uh, we'll talk to you after the fact, I hope, with a brand-new shiny belt, kid. Let's get the strap, baby. Coming for gold. All right, man. Have good a good luck, day. Al Joe. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> there he is, the number one contender. Al Jermaine Sterling with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. It's been a long time coming, right? There are title shots that are earned. There are title shots that are given. There are circumstances in the fight game. He has earned it every step of the way, Ken Flo. Could have had the title shot before the Sandhagen fight. Dusts him at 88 seconds. Uh, he is as clear-cut a number one contender as any division has right now. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, and I think all of those experiences, all of those wins, all, you know, even the losses, whatever it is, I, I think has only made him stronger. And I think he's put himself in an awesome position to go out there uh, and win that belt. I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. Um, you could see that this is a much more uh, experienced and mature Aljamain Sterling. So I, I can't wait to see that fight, man. That's going to be unbelievable. That is December 12th, UFC 256, but UFC 255 beckons this weekend. Let us get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, we now welcome in Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. So Team Anik led Team Florian 141 to 134 going into UFC Fight Night Felder versus Dos Anjos. And Ian Parker had RDA by decision, but the big one, Chaos Williams as an underdog by knockout. Flo had Abdul Razak Hassan. So it's a six to one week with the RDA method of victory and round correct as well. It is 147 to 135 as we come up on UFC 255. Now, Ken Flo, Ian has already declared victory privately, so he hasn't necessarily paid attention to past series history and some of your epic comebacks, but 12-point lead, five live events to go, Ian. You're feeling pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I am. I, I think 12 is a pretty aggressive lead at this point. Um, I think if Kenny hits every single underdog in the next three weeks without me picking the same one of the same, I think that's the only way this happens. However, I kind of fucked up last year, so who's to say I don't screw it up again, but... Uh, I don't know. Kenny came in clean shaven ish today. So I feel like he was <laughs> not happy with chaos Williams winning that. And he knew what was going to happen here. So game on brother game on. All right. Let us see how it plays out. We do yes. have eight picks today. We'll do three long form and then five quick picks on the way out. So first fight for us will be at welterweight. By the way, we will have Ken Flo lead the main event as he is trailing platinum. Mike Perry minus 140. Tim means business plus 120. Perry had a dominant win over Mickey gall. That was his last fight. 
put an end to his two-fight skid. Still just 7-6, and six, though, Ian, in the UFC for Mike Perry, but has fought a very good schedule. On the other side, you have Timmy Means. He had already fought 11 times in the UFC when Perry made his debut at UFC 202. That was back in 2016. Means the slight dog here, Ian Parker. Which way are you going here at Welterweight? I'm going to go with Mike Perry here. You know, I think Tim Means does, has, does have the advantage in his jiu-jitsu department, but I think Perry has shown a much better takedown defense lately. So I'm going to go with Mike Perry on this one. Ken Flo, Tim Means has won two of his last three decisioned Lariano Starpoli in his most recent start. That was back in August. What do you think about Means and Perry here on the main card? You know, I, I think Means is a dangerous guy. Um, I, I do think uh, if he's able to utilize his uh, length and reach, uh, he could do well and, and win the fight against Mike Perry. Uh, but I think it's going to take a hell of a lot of discipline, which I don't think he has. I think he has shown that he does take big shots, and you just can't do that against someone like Mike Perry. Mike Perry has too much power. He's going to be pushing forward. He's going to be dangerous for every minute of that fight. Uh, so I like Mer Mike Perry to win that fight as well. All right, co-headliner for the UFC Women's Flyweight Championship. You got Valentina Shevchenko, familiar territory here, minus 1250. Jennifer Maya is plus 800. Ian will also need the round and the method of victory here. Fourth defense for Valentina. And on the other side, you have Maya. Did miss weight a couple times in 2019, as you well know, but she did make weight for her last fight and submitted Joanne Calderwood, and, and that has resulted in this championship opportunity. Talk to me on Valentina and Jennifer Maya, if you would. Yeah, I think um, Jennifer looked great against JoJo. It was a real spoiler there in the plans to give JoJo a title shot. That's awesome. However, Valentina is just on a different level as anybody over everybody else, except for Amanda Nunez, which I would just love to see them to fight twice a year and just let that continue on. I think Valentina is going to cruise to victory. You know, every time I think she's going to finish it, it goes to decision, but I don't know. I think Jennifer sometimes gets a little too aggressive and against a striker and Valentina, it's not a good move. So I'm going to go second round TKO round two TKO for Valentina Shevchenko. So Shevchenko 19 and three can flow, you know, the book on her early career loss to Liz Carmouche in 2010 avenged that defeat. The other two pro losses to Amanda Nunes, the last of which came in 2017 by split decision, but there's a weight gap there. I, I'm not convinced that Nunes has many more at 35. So this is what it is for Valentina Shevchenko to try to get to that John Jones, you know, George St. Pierre level with multiple title defenses I know you have Shevchenko winning. Uh, how does she get it done? Yeah, listen, the reality is it's Valentina Shevchenko and then uh, everybody else. Uh, and I just don't think she's going to be challenged. I don't see there being a challenge for a very long time. And to make matters worse, Valentina Shevchenko loves to train. She loves to fight. Um, you know, I, I still think that she has that hunger. And um, I see her being pretty dominant. I think it's going to take her a lot longer. Uh, I like the fact that Maya is solid on the ground. She's solid on the feet. I just don't think um, solid is going to be good enough against someone like Shevchenko. So I like Shevchenko in this. Let's go with fourth round stoppage. Kenful loves that fourth round. You're going TKO for Valentina Shevchenko. Let's go TKO. Right, Florian podcast poll question. I was trying to get creative and uh, which champion might lose their belt next. Instead, I just had people determine how this main event between Davis and Figueroa and Alice Perez was going to end up. And uh, I guess I didn't expect it to be this one sided. So blame the guy who came up with the poll question this week. But 93 percent of our listeners and viewers believe that Davis and Figueroa is going to beat Alice Perez. And 85 percent of you believe he will get a finish. So 
Here it is, Ken Flo. We will have you lead first title defense for the flyweight champ, Davison Figueredo, and it comes against Alex Perez. Minus 300 for Figueredo, plus 250 for Perez. Who wins the main event at 255, Ken Flo, and how do they get it done? Yeah, I think Perez is uh, is tough. Um, I just think that if someone's going to get a finish or someone's going to cause a lot more damage, I think Figueredo is that guy. Uh, I think he has uh, a lot more power. I think he has just simply an unusual amount of power uh, in that weight class that I think very few people, if anyone, can match. Um, I think there's ways for Perez to win. I, I just don't know if he has enough experience to be able to get it done. Um, you know, cause there are times where you can get Figueredo to get a little bit wild. Um, but, um, I, I just see Figueredo winning this fight. Um, I, I, I could see him winning early, but I actually think it's going to go to decision. I think Figueredo wins this by decision. I think Perez is going to be able to hang in there for all five rounds. Perez is a tough cookie, no doubt yeah. about it. Ian Parker, for $100, can you spell Figueredo? Fuck. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I just need a prediction. I think I, think, I, think okay. I can. What is it? F-I-G-U-E-A-I. You know what? Fuck it. Right. Let's <laughs> just get the money. I don't even... Uh, yeah, fuck, whatever. I, you know what? I, I can't even pronounce it. Let alone spell it. You know what? I used to be really good at spelling until I stopped caring about spelling. Um, well, it took me about like yeah. three months. No, not necessarily. It took me about three months to spell Yeon Jacek. Just I can type it. No problem. I've now written it hundreds of times. And I only now have learned how to spell Figueredo. That I late in the word just kind of had me uh, off kilter. But uh, I don't know. He's he's a three to one favorite here. Alex Perez has a wealth of experience great head coach, good training partners. What do you think about Perez here taking on Figueredo? I'm going to have to reach out to my second grade teacher, Mrs. DeMau, for not uh, helping me out with that spelling situation here. Um, you know what? Kenny kind of hit it on the head here. I think where the disparity is going to be is the experience. I think Alex Perez is kind of getting rushed into a title shot because of the lack of depth in the division. I also think that Brandon Moreno should have been the one to get the title shot after his last win. Doesn't mean Alex Perez won't be a champion someday. I just don't think it's going to be on this day. I think that his striking is really strong. Tough guy, good chin. Under, uh, you know, he's got some really good wrestling too. You know, I think for him, if he could kind of eat some of the shots and cause Figueroa to get wild, I think if he could set up a couple of takedowns and put the champ on his back and grind out a couple of rounds, maybe he could steal it. Uh, you know, it's just that we have a champ here who is, Hasn't really shown any weaknesses as of late, um, minus the weight situation. He really looks like a villain from a Marvel or DC comic book movie, and he fights like it, too. We haven't seen too many guys at this weight with that power, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. It's cool to see this division get a little bit of a spark plug in him. I also don't think this is going to go to a decision. I think these guys are going to brawl, and they're going to war it out for five rounds. I may change that during the week. I'm not just doing it to tail Kenny. I really do think that Perez is tough enough to not get finished. So give me the champ by decision. Figueredo by decision for both of you. What's that nickname, Ken Flo? Deuce de Gata, God of War. Is that right? Uh, Deus, Deus de Geja. Deus de Geja. See? Spell it. Yeah. 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 D-E-U-S, <laughs> then D-E, and then G-U-E-R-R-A. There you go. Oh, is that right? Yeah. No? Deus. Oh, yeah. D-E-U-S, Deus. That's oh, right. No, don't. Yeah. D E <laughs> yeah. and then G U E R R A. Yeah. It's D A. Understand. Huh? It's D A. D A what? You were saying D E. It's duh. 
Gieha. Oh, da, 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 da Gieha. Okay, right. gotcha. All right. So uh, we have five quick picks today. If you guys want to give your two cents on one of these fights, I am actually okay with that. People think that uh, that I'm running out of here because the NFL starts in 24 minutes, and they would be absolutely right. So we have five quick picks for UFC 255, varying degrees of importance. We will start on the main card at light heavyweight with a rematch. Paul Craig, minus 170. Mauricio Shogun, who are the former champ, is plus 150. First fight split draw last November. Bear Jew unbeaten in his last three. And Kenfo loves this stat. Ready? Shogun has fought seven times since the start of 2015. He has lost one time. Ovin St. Preux threw that skateboard out in the middle of the fight, right? That was in 2014, right? And then the only loss since 2015 for Shogun Hua against Anthony Smith. The question beckons, Ian Parker, Bear Jew or Shogun? If Shogun, do we have in 2021 Shogun versus Glover for the light heavyweight belt? Is this is this uh, going to happen? It's that, not. That be, wouldn't, no, it's not going to happen. That's the, no, they have a better chance of playing murder ball against each other than that. That's not happening. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Shogun here. I like him as an underdog. You know, in in that fight, I knew Kenny was going the Brazilian. I knew it. Yeah, look, um, I think that Paul Craig makes a lot of mistakes, especially when he's winning fights. He's very comfortable being on his back. I think if Shogun just doesn't brawl and plays it smart it's a very winnable fight for him yeah he has beaten uh, i you know listen the bear jew is a phenomenal nickname and he's part of the tribe and i would love to get behind it but i can never bet on him based on everything that he's ever done in his career give me shogun with the underdog points please well oh man you know uh yeah i i think uh, i think it's correct um but uh I like Shogun in this one as well. Uh, I do think he hits, uh, you know, really hard. Um, and uh, I think if it goes to the ground, I think he has the advantage as well. So Shogun. And if you, if you are looking for a reason to back Shogun in that plus 150 range, we remind you he's fought seven times since the start of 2015. He's only lost one of those fights. I'm just telling you. Uh, title eliminator here at flyweight. Perhaps a backup scenario here should Maya have any issues with the scale. I say that with all due respect. But Cynthia Calvillo still 9-1-1 one one as a pro. She's minus 210 here against Caitlin Chukagian, who's plus 175. Chukagian just fought in Abu Dhabi October 18th, lost to Jessica Andrade rather quickly. Calvillo got COVID-19. She was supposed to face Lauren Murphy at UFC 254 a few weeks ago. So uh, Mick Maynard and co. getting her right back in there. What do you think here, Ian Parker? Calvillo, Chukagian, who do you have? Oh, I'm leading off on every single fight except for one. Got it. We're giving How do you know? Every How do you even know? Yeah. How do I'm you even saying, know? Uh, up to this point, up to this point, you know, up to this point. Um, so John, John, there's supposed to be quick picks. There's supposed to be quick picks. Let's go. Oh, I'm sorry. Jesus. Are you filming battle bots? In Jesus. My bad, bro. Holy moly. This guy. Uh, sorry. Triceraton's going to beat Fogelman. My bad. Um, I am going to go to Cajun here. Actually. I like the reach and I think Cavio having COVID may have messed up her training. I'm not going to hold what, uh, against it. What happened with you Cajun against, um, Andrade. Canflow, Calvillo, Chukagian. Chukagian. Wow. See, he easily. <laughs> no, you should you should be glad that he's not going Calvillo, right? Why? He almost blindly has to go Calvillo, even if he doesn't like her in the fight. But see, don't. Hey, I'm not trying to give Kenflo advice, right? I mean, standings have spoken it. for themselves. He no, he, he does not. It. We will have Kenflo lead this one, though, incidentally. <laughs> as the script suggests, also in the women's flyweight division flow. Antonina Shevchenko, minus 155. Queen of violence, Ariane Lipsky is plus 135. Any feel here? Uh, uh, let's go with Shevchenko. 
And for you, Ian? Same. There's a method to my madness. At middleweight, we had to pick this fight, Ken Flo. Joaquin Buckley, we'll see what he can produce for an encore. Minus 260 as a favorite here against the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright, plus 220. Ken Flo, what do you think? Beverly Hills Ninja for you, or are you going Joaquin Buckley? Um, I'm going to have to think about this one uh, throughout the week, but uh, I'm going to go with Buckley here. All right, so we're going to put Buckley down, but perhaps more analysis from Ken Flo, who, by the way, has his own YouTube channel now, if you like jujitsu. I don't, incidentally. Otherwise, I would fucking click on it. Uh, Ian, Joaquin Buckley, Jordan Wright, who do you like? <laughs> that was good. I'm not going to follow it either. Um, I uh, <laughs> You gave it to me. Sorry, Kenny. I already subscribed. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Kenny here also. I think Buckley coming off that fight against Impa, but... This one's a lot harder than I think people are going to take it for. And I think the odds are way wider than they should be. Yeah, I agree. All right. And at 125 pounds, Ian, for the men, Brandon Moreno, minus 185. Brandon Royval, plus 160. Again, a fight that happens early on in the night, but super relevant as far as the rankings and the division is concerned. Uh, Brandon Royval Moreno, who do you like? Yeah, this is going to be fight of the night, if not the flyaway title uh, fight. One of the two. I like Brandon Moreno here. I just don't think he makes the same mistakes as uh, Roy Val's past opponents have. I think he's a smarter fighter. I think he's better everywhere. And this kid deserves a title shot. And he's going to get it with this win. Ken Flo Moreno minus 185. Brandon Roy Val plus 160. Your final selection is whom? Ken Flo's on mute, but I am fucking dying to hear what he's saying. So we'll just give him a minute. Go ahead. I, I like, sorry. Uh, I like Royval here. Um, I think that Moreno is an excellent fighter. Um, I think Royval has got something special where he's just, he finds a way to win and he finds a way to finish you. And he never stops trying to look for that. Um, I, I don't think Moreno's fought anyone like him. Uh, so I like Royval here. All right, eight selections from the fellas at UFC 255. It took us till the eighth pick to get some disagreement, but we'll see how it goes with the rounds, the method of victories on social media. The duck can be found at Ian Parker MMA. Eventually, he's going to work that duck moniker into his handle. It's only a matter of time, but uh, good to see you. Sun splash on your face looking good. We will talk to you next Sunday morning and uh, see what we have for Thanksgiving weekend, brother. Yeah, no, this is just bad skin from stress. There's been no sun, but I appreciate that uh, that recognition. Yeah, and real quick, uh, what Paul Felder said last night about the weight cut situation and how yeah. much of a professional he is, I think that any guy that does not make weight for the rest of 2020 should give that per a percentage of that purse to Paul Felder for what he did last night. That yeah. is that is how a fucking legend does it. Five days, went the full five rounds. I don't know what that judge, Chris Lee, was seeing. Um, I saw Kenny's Twitter. And I was like, oh, Kenny's probably fucking going nuts in his house right now. That was a disaster. But uh, for Paul Felder to make weight, show up, compete the way he did, and put up a really tough fight for RDA. Yeah, I agree. You, you want to be called a legend, you got to do legendary things. All right, speaking Thanks, of Skippy. legends, we got to let the duck go. We'll talk to you next week, buddy, okay? Later, man. Does Anik think Parker is a legend? That's the question. <laughs> I'll have to chew on that, but... Again, the National Football League starts in 17 minutes. Week 10. Let's get to the pick to click. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner, and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast.
All right, today's Pick to Click is brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make these sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. That's OddsShark.com. Don't forget the second S. Great job by OddsShark on social media, too, during the presidential election. People were just lapping up all the content they were putting out. And if you are curious to get my best bet on the NFL that you're not getting here every week, I'm part of the Capper Cup trying to chase down these elite handicappers and sort of uh, save face for the UFC. We're four and a half points off the lead. But our pick to click, I'm doing okay against my man, Cody Murrow, our executive producer. couple winners, though, we gave out last week, my man. And that's all we're trying to do here, just make money for the people. That's all we're really trying to do. So I'm six and four. You are three, six and one. Who do you have for the masses in week 10? Well, John, it's good to know that I can't even beat your second best bet on the Anakin Florian podcast. Picks. But though, just like Kenny's coming back in the main event challenge, I'm coming back in the pick the click challenge. I like Romeo Cornell and the Houston Texans coming into Ohio, sporting a one and seven record against the spread more specifically, John, they're 0-7 in their last seven as dogs. So uh, I'm, I got to roll with the dog pound. I kind of said it wrong off the top. I'm not going to roll with Romeo Cornell in any sense of the word. Uh, Nick Chubb is coming back to the fifth-ranked offense. They're returning Austin Hooper, too. I don't think that can hurt Baker Mayfield, but he kind of shoots himself in the foot all season. But I'm rolling with the dogs today. Ooh, ooh. I like it. And uh, Cleveland opened, I think, clo- <clears throat> closer to three. It's now four and a half. So I think that uh, maybe buying some points, but I do like Cleveland today. I'm going to come back with the Miami Dolphins. We're going to stay local minus a point and a half home to the L.A. Chargers. This is not a play on Tua. This is a play on Brian Flores, the head coach of the Dolphins. Anthony Lynn on the other sideline. I don't have any confidence in him. And uh, I like the young quarterback, Justin Herbert, for the L.A. Chargers for sure. But Miami defensively coaching intangibly short price at home. Tough place to play here in South Florida. Pretty hot out there today. Dolphins minus one and a half is the pick to click for me in week number 10. All right. Long show today. We got to get on out of here. Thanks to our guests, Aljamain Sterling, Ray Longo, Ian Parker. Don't forget to check out Ken Flo's new YouTube channel, and we will be back with you next Sunday morning. Full recap on UFC 255. It'll be good to uh, be back on pay-per-view this weekend, and then we will look ahead to Thanksgiving weekend and a main event, I believe, between Curtis Blades and the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Our executive producer is Cody Merrill. For Ken Flo, I'm John Anderson. So long for now. Don't text and drive. Wear a mask if you're if you're so inclined, Patty. Milicic, I love you. Yo, fuck it. Later.